Now playing Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. Hello, good people, and welcome to the podcast, Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. I am your host, Sam Hurley, and I am into murders and executions, mostly. Uh, as you can tell by the name of this podcast, we are doing American Psycho. And if you're going to record an episode on American Psycho, you've got to get in a couple of Psycho-Americans, don't you? The first of which, you know her, you love her, she's been on the show a few times, she likes to dissect girls, did I tell you she's utterly insane? It's Emily Higgins. Hello. I'm so excited. <laughs> really? That's all you got to say? Excited? Again, talking about a good movie is a nice change of pace. Oh, playing your cards early. A good movie. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, the other person joining us this week who's making his first time on the show. And I mean, look at that subtle off-white coloring, the tasteful thickness of it. Oh my God, it even has a watermark. It's Nick from the Epic Film Guys. How are you, bro? I'm so excited to be here. And, and you know what? I love you, Sam. I just love you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a chipper fucker, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad you can only see my top half, Nick. I'm glad you can only see my top half. Damn it. <laughs> Get a second camera. <laughs> Just a straight up skirt. Uh, <laughs> I great. love you, Sam. And I get to share a microphone with Emily Higgins. Oh, my gosh. This is... We've really all... We've been brought together, and it's exciting in these trying times. Exactly. Fuck you, COVID-19. Look what you've done. You've brought three people together from across the other side of the world. <laughs> Eat a dick, COVID-19. And that's the last we're going to talk about that shit because I tried to avoid it as much as I could last podcast, but everyone kept bringing it up. But that's enough of that. Yes, yeah, so 2000's American Psycho, directed by Mary Harron, based on a novel by Brett Easton Ellis, starring Christian Bale in the titular, or starring Christian Bale as the titular American Psycho. He plays Patrick Bateman. Also, we've got Justin Theroux, Josh Lucas, Bill Sage, Chloe Savini, Reese Witherspoon, and Jared Leto and William Defoe. Came out in 2000, rated 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, <laughs> 69 on Rotten Tomatoes, and 64% on Metacritic. <laughs> God, I'm immature. But we'll start with the uh, we'll start with the female in the group, uh, Beautiful Brawn. Emily, what do you give this as a score out of 10,000 business cards? That's a lower score than I thought I had. I'm going to give it a, a 8,200 business cards. Ooh. Ooh, that's a lot of business cards. It's so- I mean, is it as good as American Psycho 2? No, but it's good. <laughs> she came here tonight to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, mate? What would you give us a square out of 10,000 business cards? I'm going to get the, the, the embossed lettering slightly raised uh, with a score of about 7,400 business cards yeah that's pretty good i'm gonna slide in there right between yours and give it seven thousand eight hundred and twelve yeah one at twelve <laughs> <laughs> just pluck one out number out of the year so something we've introduced recently is uh we obviously give a bit of a plot about this film for people who are listening that don't plan on watching it re-watching it whatever and what we do is we get the person who's watched it the most recently to give the plot of the film. So which one of us has watched it the most recently? I watched it today. There we go. We've got a winner. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, what is the plot of American Psycho? So Christian Bale is the embodiment of the perfect man on the outside. He looks good, extremely good. He's wealthy. <laughs> he's all buttoned up. He's all together. But beneath his perfect veneer lurks a dangerous psychopath of the stabby chainsaw you can't. <laughs> it's a good voiceover. Yeah, man. I, I try. Yeah. I want this trailer. Same. Emily Higgins is here. I have to bring my A-game. <laughs> I'm going to cut this trailer of just you talking as he flexes. <laughs> oh, yes, please, Emily. I want to see that. God, I need that for my late night material. Uh... <laughs> for your late night <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh yes if you haven't heard this podcast before as the name suggests we review a movie by asking 20 weird wonderful questions about it we go through 10 questions that can be applied to any film we then move into three personal questions that we thought of while we were watching this film and we finish on a question that we throw out there to you our dear listeners to answer for us after we give our answers then we judge you accordingly so who's given, given the best answer this week the one that we always start on is the compliment sandwich which is one thing good one thing bad one thing good about this film now emily why don't you lead us off okay my first thing good i love that this is based on a book by the grossest guy brett easton ellis is such a creep and i read i tried to read the book i think i finished it and it's just so disgusting and mary heron took that and made this very compelling movie like this gorgeous movie 
And she is such a feminist. And Brittany Easton Ellis is so gross. And I feel like that really stuck it to him. So I love that. I think that's great. <laughs> Any movie that is just screwing someone over. <laughs> uh, bad. I think Christian Bale's American accent is suspect in this movie. And there were not points- just in this movie. Yeah. Not just in this movie. You're right. I don't feel one way or the other about him. But there were points where I was like, okay, he just sounds wrong. Like, he doesn't sound British or Welsh or whatever he is, but he doesn't sound American. So uh, the IMDb trivia claimed that people thought he was really American. I was like, no, they said that to be nice, if anyone said that to you. (laughs) That's ridiculous. And my one thing good on the end, I mean, the cast. You look at these people that weren't even that big then, that blew up, or that just going back and seeing, like, Willem Dafoe and Reese Witherspoon and what a weird mix of people. Jared Leto. It's every time so popped up, I was like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, I dig that. I dig that. That's a great answer. What what about you, Nick? Uh, so my first good thing is Christian Bale's workout routine. Because I mean, you get to see numerous, and I mean numerous shots of him just buck ass naked, running around, and that man is just cut. Yeah. Cut in all the right places. Like he is a <laughs> sexy ass man. Sexy ass man. Uh, the the bad thing is Chloe Savini's hair. It looks like somebody <laughs> took Moe's haircut from the Three Stooges and added extensions to the back of it. It's like that, just that mop top, like <laughs> layer, like Moe from the Three Stooges top, and then yeah, like extensions out the back. Why? Why are there's so many bangs? Why? <laughs> so many bangs. The shoulder pads didn't help either, eh? Yeah, the, yeah, she was wearing some. I mean, it was the '80s. It was set yeah. in the '80s, so I mean, the shoulder pads I get, but yeah, it Don't seriously forgive. looked like. That's all I could think of when I looked at her was was Mo from Three Stooges. <laughs> all I could think was Savani Squareface. That's all I could think of. <laughs> uh, and the the other good thing I'm going to add in here is I love that it leaves things ambiguous. Oh yeah, uh, the ambiguity it adds to the film overall because you're more focused on the journey of the character and then. Kind of no matter what ending you write for this character and for this movie, he gets a great character arc out of it. And I really love it when a movie can do that. And it doesn't just, here's the answers, take them. This is exactly what we're trying to say. Because there's so much depth and so much subtext to this movie that, you know, you can get in there and you can analyze it. And the film doesn't just concretely say it's this. I love that. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm absolutely with you. In fact, that was one of my good things as well. Is It's just so ridiculously ambiguous. Some people think it's all in his head. Some people think it actually happens. You know, for me personally, I think it's somewhere between the two. Like, I think there was a couple of murders that didn't actually happen. There's some that did. And there's, there's like, just subtle subtle parts that they incorporate into their ending. Like, when he's shooting at a police car, and then the police car explodes for no reason. Then he just, like, looks at the gun, like, what the, yeah, he looks at, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> like, how did my gun do that? And there's just, there's just moments like that that are just, like, quite surreal and quite awesome. The bad thing for me, there's just a little bit towards the middle that kind of sagged a little bit. I mean, if you've seen the movie before, you know, on the roller coaster that's coming sort of thing. And then you're sort of almost waiting to get to that point. So you sort of just in the middle. Like, okay, yeah, you're doing a setup. Okay, yeah, he likes prostitutes now. Cool, good for him. Okay, you know, you're just like, come on, come on, come on. Okay, yeah, okay. He's flexing and he's looking himself in the mirror. And oh my God, do I love that scene. But it's still, you know, <laughs> it still still takes a little bit to get to the, get to the payoff. And then, yeah, the good thing for me, it's character piece about Christian Bale. And I don't think there's too many other actors out there that could... I mean, it's easy to play a psychopath and to be remembered as that. But for his sort of devolving at the end where he starts turning into a nervous, jittery mess and he legitimately looks like he's having a full-blown panic attack. You know, he's gone from that cool, calm veneer into this just the, this mess at the end of like, what the fuck have I done? And I was like, that, that was awesome. That was really cool. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. He's a good actor. He just isn't good at voices. <laughs> yeah. good. That is literally true, Emily, of every, like, like Nolan's Batman movies. It's the same thing. Like, it, it just doesn't sound like an American accent. It just sounds like a, somebody, it sounds like somebody trying to do an American accent whenever he speaks. It's, it's like just a robot. I'm Batman. <laughs> if you tell me he's a robot, I would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> he would have to lose so much weight. But if you're a robot. I mean, he would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> moves us over to question number two. <laughs> Uh, Emily, you started, so why don't you read us out question number two? All right. What character should have been replaced with a talking dog? I'm saying Detective Kimball. So here's the thing. You could take this film and imagine an even more absurdist take on it, where everything is just so far out of reality. Like, the detective comes in to question him about Paul Allen, and it's just a talking dog. I mean, you could just take it, like, 
from left field and knock it out of the park. Just there it goes. Exactly. I've got to admit, he was on my shortlist as well. Uh, I was tossing up between him and Carruthers, you know, the slightly less manly, I guess is the most PC way to describe him, (laughs) of the vice presidents. Mm -hmm. But purely, the only reason why I want that talking dog as Carruthers is just so we get that scene where, like, Bateman goes into the toilet and then puts his hands around his neck and then the dog just turns around. He's like, I feel the same way, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it like licks his face yeah it just licks his face just starts <laughs> licking him and he's like i made a terrible mistake and then just backs out of there and then the dog comes out with the, like the most boss business card you've ever seen he's just like here we go that that would be it oh my god that's where i want to talk dog is detective kimball willem dafoe yeah yes oh yeah i said willem dafoe because <laughs> even though he's hot i want a dog to show up but also what if you know how he has that one prostitute and he's like okay you gotta have sex with me and this other girl the other girl had been a dog, would have been bad. Would have been real bad. Because she was like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, look at all this money. That would have been a movie we would not be talking about. But the you dog have just, to pay a dog Dog much. just cocks its head to its side like, <laughs> A trained dog, yeah. God, yes. <laughs> and that moves it over to question number three. What is it then, Nick? What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? Here's a bit of trivia wrapped up in an answer for me. First of all, I thought, would this film have been better if Leonardo DiCaprio was in it? Because he was originally offered the role. And quite interestingly, as he got actually talked out of it by a famous feminist, Gloria Steinem, who actually Mm -hmm. protested the book when it came out. And the fun bit of trivia is, do you know who Gloria Steinem was married to when this movie came out? Emily knows. It's someone I know. They're rela- she, She's related to Christian Bale somehow. Yes, she right? was a stepmom. Yeah. So, oh, that's closer than I thought. So even though she protested this book when it came out, and then he later started the movie, it was like I think somebody even asked him, "Was this a fuck you to your stepmother?" And he was like, oh, "I don't want to get into it." Like some other kid that is, Leonardo DiCaprio listened to her when she said to back out, but her own kid is just like, "Whatever." <laughs> I mean, that would have been interesting, but I think it's Christian's role. I, I, I think so as well. I think Leo at that time was just a little bit too likable, whereas Christian was a bit of an unknown and he's almost, he's yeah, he's he's got the fucking eyes of a psychopath, really. He's like sloppier in my mind. Like whenever he's a bad guy, he's kind of like, he has a wet mouth and he's just kind of, you know, there's something more like precise about Christian Bale. Yeah, yeah, I can dig that. Oh boy, well my philosophical debate, would I kill someone if I could? Yes. <laughs> I feel like this is gonna be played at a court trial or something. <laughs> you know what? When they come and they ask you for these files, Sam, you have to give them and don't feel bad because it's you know, it is what it is. Oh no one knows where New Zealand is. It's just man. like the beginning of American Beauty when they when they replay the when they replay the portion of the tape that, of course, in that movie, they were supposed to have like this whole trial and stuff, but they just replay this portion of the podcast with, would I kill somebody? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's, what is that, intent? Yeah. You know what? I would. And I'll tell you who. My neighbor. Let's <laughs> make this trial real quick. I got places to be. This is definitely pretty minutes from now, you're going to hear footsteps away from the microphone and you're going to hear a loud noise. <laughs> Ignore. The loud noise. <laughs> Followed by me and Nick going, what do we do, bro? Do we stop recording? Do we keep recording? Wait, how do we get our audio track? Please keep yeah. recording in my honor and just fill in what you think you remember me saying. Oh, I'd love to do an Emily Higgins <laughs> imitation. It's a bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, my Lord. What about you, Nick? Uh, let's see. So mine was, how much like Patrick Bateman am I? So <laughs> I so I wrote I wrote this whole thing out. So I said, I often feel unremarkable or forgettable at times. Uh, and I often feel like I'm struggling through life in pursuit of something meaningless or unattainable, and any attempts to attain it mean nothing. So whether it's in his head or not, he lashes out dramatically against the confines in which he's trapped, desperate for someone to notice him. Mm. Like, I'm not a serial killer, but it, like it's scary to watch a film about one and relate to him in at least some way. I think that's kind of one of the great things about this film is that even though he's cuckoo bananas like throwing chainsaws at prostitutes like there is at least probably for a lot of people watching this film at least something about him that you can on some level relate to yeah you know yeah. that was kind of like for me i'm just like what especially today i'm just like huh <laughs> <laughs> 
Now you can go to jail with me. We'll <laughs> be in the middle of the U.S. We'll meet what's a, like a Idaho or something. Oh my God! Go can we do a movie podcast from prison? <laughs> I bet we could. Oh my God! <laughs> Sorry, Sam. <laughs> That's right. FBI has no jurisdiction in New Zealand, so I'm all good. <laughs> Uh, that moves us over to question number four, which is the first of our Patreon questions. It's questions submitted to us by our wonderful, wonderful Patreons who pay $5 a month, the first of which comes from the amazing man, Dave Baker. Dave also has his own Patreon at patreon.com forward slash your favorite, which is awesome and everyone should go check out. And what Dave would like to know is which character from this film would have the best social media presence and on what platform? See... I immediately, when I read this question and I watched the movie, you can immediately take that business card scene around the table and immediately replace it with social media platforms. Paul Allen and TikTok's like a huge thing. So Paul Allen would be huge on TikTok. <laughs> and you've got Bateman. Bateman's like big on Instagram and he's arguing with the other people at the table who are gaining influence on Instagram. Like they're getting close to him. They're not quite there or whatever. But then you got Paul Allen coming in and he's got this new platform and he's blowing up and he's the big thing and it just gets bateman's goat because he wants to be that top influencer i mean you could immediately let imagine a modern version of this that would be that scene 100 percent. yeah totally agree yeah. there's two i'm torn on because reese witherspoon evelyn so good on instagram she's holding a baby pig at one point she <laughs> wants to hire annie Leibovitz for their wedding photos but christian bale on gay Twitter, I see, I follow, I follow people where they'll like likes, you know, things pop up in your Twitter that other people liked. 90% of the time, it's just like a naked hunk just doing a pose that Christian Bale would crush. He'd have so many fun. And he'd just tweet like shirtless, just like, what you up to, to like 20,000 people. I like that. I like that. That's good. Uh, the one I went for was the, well, we don't really know what her sort of fate was, but we see him clutching a lock of her hair at one point. Uh, I'm going to go for the model that everybody thinks is dumb because she is. She's pretty dumb Ooh. in this movie. And I could imagine someone like her being on Instagram and just posting the most weirdest <laughs> shit. Like, licking toilet seats. Yeah, licking toilet oh, seats. Exactly. <laughs> getting notoriety from that. And you all think I'm dumb. Here I am looking at toilet seats. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, <laughs> if the shoe fits, then fucking well. Yeah. yeah yeah her and evelyn would definitely be rivals yeah shit yeah on instagram shit yeah they'd like trash talk do those little posts that are not about someone but they are <laughs> i love good passive aggressiveness <laughs> yeah cool that moves over I to do. question number five which is also a patreon question this question comes courtesy of julio of the contrarians podcast another awesome podcast where they rage against the rotten tomatoes machine so Take a beloved film and argue why it's crap, pretty much, and then sort of offer their true true thoughts at the end. But yeah, Emily, what what's the question there? What's your most controversial opinion about this film? So it's a film about toxic masculinity, or you know, at least a deconstruction and a criticism of it, amongst other things. Why aren't there any strong female characters in this movie at all? They're either vapid and they're kind of self obsessed, just like. Bateman and just like all the Wall Street guys that are just like him, like Courtney, like Evelyn, they're prostitutes or they're Jean, who is probably the best female character in the film, but she's just kind of a doormat and she hasn't really found her strength and her agency. I really would have liked like a strong female counterpoint in this film, especially when the screenplay was co-written by a woman and it was directed by a woman. I think it would have been great to see like a strong female counterpoint to that narcissism, that that just kind of male macho asshole bullshit attitude mm. on the other side. I think it would have been a great counterpoint. The film doesn't necessarily need it. There's a lot of good points about it regardless, but give me that. I think I feel like the closest we came to that was that friend of his that he had at three o'clock in the morning that was over that he slept with and then eventually ate, you know, and then chased the prostitute out of the room. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that. She had like a bit of attitude about her and was just putting him back in his place. But even still, I mean, that was for like all of what half a scene sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I dig. I completely dig where you're coming from. Yeah, she took out a lot of the hatefulness from the book, but she didn't add much in the way of the women. Yeah, uh, talking about the book, a lot of people love the book. Nah, this is way better cool. than the book. Way better. I've read the book 
And there's certain murders that are way more detailed and way more described. They actually make your stomach churn and like, I get what he's going for with that. But um, yeah, I, I just like, I, I hated to answer this question because Emily's got a question that's very similar to this later. <laughs> and that kind of pissed me off a little bit. But yeah, I'll oh, screw you, Emily. But... No, it still works. <laughs> I mean, you read the book and you're like, oh, Bernie Stanellis has definitely done a murder. Allegedly. Yeah. Don't come for me for this. You can put me in jail for the other thing, but not for this. <laughs> he's probably done a murder. But yeah. I mean, that, that's just it for me. I just think this is better than the book. And I, I hate the people out there that argue that the book's way better. I think you guys are dreaming. Okay. Here's the most controversial thing about this movie. The most insane part is that he gives, he offers Chloe Sevigny sorbet pre-date. He has her over to his house and they're theoretically going to go somewhere, get dinner, whatever. Like she thinks she's there for a date. And he's like, oh, hey, do you want some sorbet? Like clearly so he can be, oh, I have a head in this freezer, whatever. But why? No, you're not going to eat a sorbet before you go out. Why do you even have that? So stupid. <laughs> that that made me pause more than anything else in this movie. I was like, wait, what did he just do? The movie where a guy drops a chainsaw down a flight of stairs to murder a prostitute. <laughs> Having ice cream before before dinner was the thing that it's made... Not, I've, it's not ice cream. It's sorbet. That's stupid. I mean, I get he doesn't eat ice cream, but it was just... So weird, such a weird touch. I kind of want to go back to the book and see if it was in there. <laughs> food is that's why one of my questions was food related coming up later because the food in this movie is I I adore it. I'm like, oh my god, every time they talk about the food, yeah, it's all weird. The sorbet, no, <laughs> Emily. I've got to say, I'm very disappointed that you didn't say American Psycho 2 is better than American Psycho. I thought about that. My other controversial opinion that I actually wrote down, I didn't write down American Psycho 2, but I was like, hmm, like brainstorming. Sneakers, naked, just sneakers, good look. <laughs> Christian Bale's running around, he has like white Nikes on. I keep. I was like, this isn't bad. That's what I keep to trying be to fair, tell That's Stacey. just because it's Christian Bale naked, because, I mean, if I were running around naked in sneakers, it would be like a not, I not the same anyone story. Anyone that, that you're into naked in sneakers, good there luck. There you go. <laughs> I'm gonna try that later tonight and see how far it gets. Don't blame me. Don't tell. Remember, Stacey if it was me. if Stacy makes you sleep somewhere else tonight, Sam, and not in the house, that's where you have to stay for the next four weeks. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Don't do it. Is tonight. it worth a gamble? Maybe on the last night. Maybe on the last night. <laughs> oh no. Uh, oh my. That moves us over to question number six, which is also a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins. Uh, yeah. Hey, I know her. Yeah. Hey, do you know her, Em? Are you familiar with her at all? This is the only Patreon that I will not stop. I've stopped some of my others, but this one is forever, and you have to listen to my questions till I die. I'm going read. Oh, Emily. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll let Emily do a bit of a plug of her show at the end, but what is the question there, Nick? Which side character would make for the best spinoff movie? This, This was tough because most of them have this sort of full arcs, and I'm trying to work out exactly where another one could go from this. So I'm going to go with the lawyer friend that he rings in a panic and just starts screaming like you know, like an answer phone message at him about how he's murdered somebody and all this other stuff. I could just imagine that that's his existence. You know what I mean? He's just dealing with all these Wall Street nutjobs <laughs> who have all completely lost the point. And so it's just a day in the life of him. And he's like, oh my God, I've just murdered 17 kids. I just blew up a school bus. It's like... No, you didn't. You took too much acid and you were fucking in our bathroom at the moment. <laughs> just, what? His phone is constantly getting subpoenaed. Like Must be Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's a side character for me. Oh, mine is the maitre d' at Dorcia. Dorcia? Dorcia. Because imagine the life that guy is living. Imagine the bribes he's getting. The handfuls of hundreds. The, the ladies. The drugs. Need that table. He's living it up. Gotta have that table. That's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. Mine, I picked uh, Chloe Savini's Jean. Ooh. See, I would yeah. love to see, you know, like she takes, like, kind of off of my last answer, but takes agency for herself, rises to the top of PNP, mm-hmm. and smashes down all these Wall Street dicks. I did like her, except for her hair. You were right. It's Mo <laughs> from the Three Stooges. I'm ser- Watch it again. Think Mo from the Three Stooges. Think of a pair of pliers on her nose. You will not be able to unsee it. I promise you. <laughs> That's awesome. My my um my backup one was Carruthers, uh, purely because there's the scene where Patrick kills Paul, and then he's dragging the corpse out to the taxi. And as Carruthers is walking along the road with Gwendolyn, I think her name is, he you can just if you turn up the sound, you can clearly hear him say. 
Yeah, it was crazy. These two guys got on, up on a table and they were completely naked. So I was staring at a guy completely naked. And it's almost like a little <laughs> oh. bit of foreshadowing. And it's, it's funny when you listen to it, you're like, what the fuck is that guy talking about? I want to know what that party was about, man. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> He's living his life. Exactly. Jealous. Oh, my God. Uh, that moves us over to question number seven, which is also a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of Dan Brennick of the Netflix and Swill podcast, podcast that you basically all need to listen to if you want to know anything about Netflix because they cover it all. New movies, TV shows, trailers, etc., etc. They are fucking awesome. Me and Nick will talk about him later and uh, something that these guys are putting on. But uh, I love you, Dan. Not as much as me, bro. Do you want to fight about this? <laughs> but what Dan would like to know is where would we have inserted Blink Light at Two song, all the small things, into this movie? Okay, the sex scene where he's flexing in the mirror, like he's looking himself in the mirror. Yes. It would be so upbeat and fun. <laughs> And I think he would be even more attractive if all the small things was playing. Yeah. (laughs) I want that so badly. You're my favorite person, Emily. Never change. There's something about that song that would make the scene him look better even. Emily, if I ever come to Los Angeles and come to meet up with you and I get to your door and I hear all the small things playing, I'm definitely not knocking. I'm not knocking. I'm ready to fuck away from that house. There's something bad happening. There's something my virgin eyes would not be able to handle. Oh, my God. I picked for this one. I picked uh, so that the night after he breaks off the engagement with Evelyn from the moment he goes outside. And as soon as he looks at the ATM and the cats and the, yeah, the cat, the ATM says, feed me a cat. That's when the song starts playing. And that's through. He shoots the woman, blows up the cop cars, shoots the security guard and the janitor. He's running around like a crazy person. I mean, just think of the actual, like the extra energy that would add to that scene. God, those are better answers than my ones. Fucking hell. That's why you got the pros on. Exactly. Man, I need to lift my game. It's my own show. What the hell? Uh, for me, it would have been the comparing of the business cards. Just um, just <laughs> basically them just standing around with all their little small things out. And it just would have like sort of leaned into the lunacy of that scene. Of just the they could have done like an acoustic version of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. was like almost orchestral, <laughs> like an orchestral version of all the small things just <laughs> and then playing in the background and just looking at all of them. And we all know the cards look pretty much exactly the same. And it's just like, a, like a, an assault on their masculinity of like, look at all these small things that give us so much joy. <laughs> Mary's going to listen to this podcast and be like, Exactly. And come out like the year before as well. She had her chance. She had her chance. God damn you, Mary. Anywho. Oh, my God. That moves us over to question number eight. What is it there, Emily? What quote from this film would be the worst to hear straight after you finish having sex? Does everyone have about 40 of these? I have so many, (laughs) but I narrowed it down to four. Go. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with, I want you to clean your vagina. (laughs) Yeah, that's emasculating. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could also go with, look at that subtle off-white coloring, the tasteful thickness of it. Oh, no. Yeah. Because then you're just like, what does that mean? Sounds like a compliment, though. It kind of does. It kind of does, but not the sort of compliment about the stuff that. But it would be that kind of thing where you would question it afterward. Like you'd have to, and then you don't want to ask what it means because you're like, we just got done having sex. You're just thinking about it for your confidence is probably like, ugh. Literally the next day, just like, what the fuck was that about? (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll keep it. I'll keep it to my top two. Uh, The first one is touch me like that, and you'll draw back a stump. not a good way to keep stuff going no way and my final my my other one is something horrible is happening inside of me and i don't know why oh Oh, no that one would be even better during sex (laughs) exactly i have a top two and i can't believe neither of you said do you know what ed gein said about women oh yeah yeah or also hey i'm a child of divorce give me a break See, I tried not to pick the obvious, the Ed Gein one. I also did throw in here, you're a fucking ugly bitch. I want to stab you to death and then play around with your blood. That would be pretty horrible. I like that all of us didn't go for that one first, though, but that would be awful. And the other one, too, about I like to dissect girls. Did I tell you I'm muscly insane? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like, ha- like most of the dialogue in this script, like almost every line. 
Yeah. yeah. We should have made the question, what line from this movie do you want to hear after you finish having sex? Not a one. <laughs> Not a single thing. Except oh my maybe, God. do you want some sorbet? <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. That's I think you should go. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should, yes. That was probably the most polite out of all of them. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, this is over to question number nine. What is it there, Nick? How long would you survive in this movie's world? That's right. This question is making a comeback. Now, he- here's the thing. Unfortunately, because I am a hot blonde prostitute, I don't think I'm going to last very long. So... <laughs> Two scenes, probably two scenes. Yeah. Uh, I would survive a normal human lifespan because Christian Bale is every guy on Tinder in Los Angeles. And they're like, hey, and I'm like, hey. And then they say something rude and I stop replying to them and never talk to them again. So he would say like. And their next line to her is, I want you to clean your vagina. Right. (laughs) Basically, but they'd start off like, I, I'm i in finance. I like business cards and want to have some fun. And I just would never reply. <laughs> I'm a murders and executions. So I'm going to live. What do you think of the font of this card? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So I'd be someone in this world who's far removed from all this narcissism and lifestyle. So I would think my chances would be good. But if... If I have to play along and be embroiled in this world, I'd die really fast because I'd piss off Patrick Bateman really fast, intentionally. Yeah, really intentionally. Easy to set off. I would be that guy, like, like where they're they're also they're also like tightly wound, like they can't like none of them knows how to just like wheel back and have a good time and just relax and like. I would fuck them all up. They'd all all try to kill me. Like, it'd be like a gang murder or something. When you're like, white business cards are so last year. (laughs) We'll get there, Emily. We'll get there. Don't jump ahead. (laughs) I'm I'm sort of the same, man. I just, like, I'm so far removed from that corporate world as well. I'm, like, trying to think who I would be if I was in this film. And I probably would just be, like, the night manager at a hotel who's just sitting there chilling out and just, oh, G'day, Mr. Smith, or whatever they say, and then just boom two to the fucking chest, and away I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't fancy my chances. Oh, my <laughs> Basically God. Basically what I'm saying. Uh, and our final question is Stacy's favorite question. She actually asked me to put this in here for you two guys because she loves this question so much. And I can hear her yelling, no, I don't, from down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Stace. Anyway, what she would like to know is how would you guys have incorporated the wonderful man that is Nicolas Cage into this film? He has to be Paul Allen yeah. just because I want to hear him scream at a waiter about pork loin with lime jello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yes. Done. Period. At the end of sentence. That would be pretty great. I mean, I just want him to be that other girl that's not the prostitute that's his friend that's like, I love going to Dalton. Or whatever. Remember, they know each other. I didn't catch her name even in a Google. Imagine him as like the hot, unbothered one that's just like, okay, Christian, fine. We'll all have this weird threesome, whatever you want. Okay. (laughs) Where do you summer? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. He's just too cool for school. But he's there. What else is he going to do? I love you, Nicolas Cage. For me, this is set in the late 80s, and it follows around a narcissistic wanker who basically goes for a mental breakdown. And that's the exact same plot as the film Vampire's Kiss, starring Nicolas Cage, who plays a narcissistic wanker in the 80s having a mental breakdown in New York. And so I would have liked a crossover. I would have liked basically the scene where Nicolas Cage is running down the street in Vampire's Kiss screaming, I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! (laughs) And he just comes across Patrick Bateman, and they both just look at each other, and there's just a knowing look bit of a, like a thumbs up and then they continue walking the other direction it'd be that end of the movie part when he when like right in the middle of of bateman's killing spree like after he blows up the cops it'd be like right after that part yes, so right he's then. like frantic yeah and everything frantically Did running you read down the, the trivia street? that he actually took inspiration from vampire's kiss like that's some of where he drew inspiration for his performance in in this movie oh i read that earlier today oh yes i've come yes that's great i was like that <laughs> makes so much sense and it's perfect Excellent, excellent. And that moves us over to our personal questions. First up this week is Nick. So it's three questions that he can answer himself if he wants, but doesn't have to. What do you got there, Nick? So my first question was, what exotic and pretentious dish mentioned in this film would you order? So I, I can read them all off if you guys want. But Go for I did, it. Go for yeah. it. 
You have your choice between squid ravioli and a lemongrass broth with goat cheese profiteroles, arugula Caesar salad, swordfish meatloaf <laughs> with onion marmalade, rare roasted partridge breast and raspberry coulis with sorrel and timbali, grilled free-range rabbit with herbed french fries, peanut butter soup, oh my god, with smoked duck and mashed squash, red snapper with violets and pine nuts, Sea urchin ceviche, cilantro crawfish gumbo, pork loin with lime jello, and mud soup and charcoal arugula. <laughs> I don't. Do rich people not eat chicken? You get a partridge. That's closest. No, that's right? a cute baby bird. <laughs> These are fucking weird, eh? They're all weird. I had to, even though I'm trying to not eat squids because they're very smart. I mean, that ravioli. That's all I could do. It's my only option, and it comes with goat cheese. I love that. I'll pretend there's some dumb animal in there. <laughs> oh my god! Holy shit! Uh, I've got a pe- like a peanut butter addiction, so why not peanut butter soup with smoked duck and mashed squash? Ugh, hot peanut butter water. Pe- I mean, that can't be fuck? what it is, but it's not right. No, it is what it is, Emily. It really? fucking is what it is. Oh no, I don't know, but it's definitely got to be what it is. That's what like some of these things in here, and I love to cook, so that was why I immediately this was the first question I picked. It was like some of these things you could make work. You could, yeah. Like mine, my answer I picked pork loin with lime jello because I've made pork loin with dozens of different flavors, including citrus. Mm-hmm. Like I've made like sweet type glazes and stuff for pork loins. Like you could totally with a couple of adjustments, you could make that work easy, mm. no problem. But some things like peanut butter soup with smoked duck, I can't conceptualize, like Emily said, hot peanut butter water. Like, I can't conceptualize peanut butter soup. No. What that would necessarily be. Like, do you just dump a jar of Jif into a pot and warm it up? Or if you're like a really high-end restaurant, do you get your own peanuts and like press them into soup yourself? And then you serve, like, the crushed nuts as a garnish on the rim of the bowl. <laughs> Why couldn't they just have the duck? Like, they had to take it another step. Like, there's another one on there where it was fish or whatever. Fine. And they're like, let's put some raspberry on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go to Dorja. I want to go to McDonald's. A Big Mac with a raspberry coulis? <laughs> that sounds better. I would eat that. That sounds a lot better. I just want to eat peanut butter soup so I can know what the fuck it is, man. I just, I'm just curious to get the better of me. That's the best thing is like I can't conceptualize what half of these half of these dishes are. And like swordfish meatloaf, like who yeah. the fuck's putting swordfish in a meatloaf? Right, that, is that, that just was a big one. chunk? Yeah. Or did they take it and like mash it up? I it's best not to ask these questions, <laughs> I I feel. Cool. What do you got there next, Nick? Uh so my next question is if Patrick Bateman were a cinephile instead of a music lover, what film would he deconstruct before killing his victim? I am going to go with one of the most pretentiously artsy films I've ever seen that would be within his time frame as well. So it would have come out before this movie. Uh, the film is called El Topo from 1970. Uh, it's directed by, I think, Spanish director, Hodorowsky. Um, and he plays the main character in it himself. Uh, and El Topo travels through the desert of a mysterious neo-Western world having threesomes and killing everything he sees. So there you go. He then becomes a godlike figure, then he becomes Jesus, and finally he becomes the burning monk that's on the cover of the Rage Against the Machine album, the guy that set fire to himself during Vietnam. He becomes him. It is so ridiculously pretentious as a film, and I could just imagine him going through it and exactly what it means and all that sort of shit. Totally. I need to hear a tasteless podcast immediately featuring this film. (laughs) Comparing it to something. I don't care what. Yeah, I'll find the connection, Emily. I believe in you. (laughs) I thought that at first i was like okay i bet a tarantino and then i was like no that's a little too on the nose but his tastes are kind of cool like huey lewis and he likes whitney houston and so i decided he wouldn't be like a citizen kane guy and i thought he might like the thing because it came out the same time ish as the huey like lewis it. album he loves it's like late 80s because i couldn't pin down the time frame of this movie and i feel like he could relate to something that's trying to like assimilate with the things that it comes into contact with Oh, shit. That's a good answer. Well done. Yeah. I love it. And I, you know what? Speaking to John Carpenter, I actually said the original Halloween. And Ooh. he would talk about its minimalist approach and how effectively Myers stalks and kills all of his victims, how he moves of singular thought and purpose. 
I liked that. See, Carpenter. See, great minds. (laughs) We have the same mind as Christian Bale in American Psycho. Oh, what what have we wrought? (laughs) Oh, and uh, my final question. So Charles Bronson is the patron saint of the Epic Film Guys podcast. We absolutely adore everything and anything Charles Bronson on the shelf. So my final question had to be, how would you incorporate Charles Bronson into this film? I want him to be a grizzled partner that pairs up with William Defoe. That's what I imagined. I imagined just the two of them in the office. And Mine is so close to that, it's scary. Yeah? Yeah, because I, I, I just imagine William Defoe asking all the questions, you know, sort of like tentative like he does, and just Bronson just straight up in the corner just glaring at him the whole time. Like really putting him <laughs> at unease. And he's just like, Bronson's just got his hand on a gun or something. No, no reason. He's just got a hand on his gun crossing over the door frame just basically just like yeah i had to google to make sure i knew who this was i knew it i was gonna send a text around i was oh, i mean a message around to you like emily's like and google like, history oh. right now what is charles bronson why is charles is- bronson who is charles bronson i knew the name and i knew he was one of like three guys i knew him from the your podcast and i knew him from like the words and then i was like oh that mustache man now here's what i think he should do he should have been the lawyer that gets a confession because that dude's not going to care at all. Like the lawyer was kind of a frazzled, like, all right, man, you're what's his face. You got what message? Charles Bronson <laughs> is just going to be like, OK, great. Bye. By the end. By the end. That's, that's how American Psycho could end. <laughs> all right. So it's, like I said, Sam, it's scary how close yours is to mine. So I wrote this almost as if you're like reading a Netflix <laughs> movie description. So I said, Bronson is Detective Kimball, who's a bounty hunter hunting for the missing Paul Allen. When his path crosses with Patrick Bateman, thus begins a cat and mouse game through the decadent apartments and restaurants of Wall Street. When Bateman's answers just don't add up, Bronson stops asking questions with his mouth and starts asking them with his revolver. Oh, I thought it was going to get sexy. You I mean, need to be a voiceover guy, Nick. This is amazing. It could if if he was if he was you know. The, the the other not, vice president guy. No, if he says he stops asking questions with his mouth and starts asking <laughs> questions with his heart. <laughs> Go write that fan fiction. That takes it down a road I had not intended. <laughs> that's the whole time you were talking. I was like, it. that's where it's going. I'm here for it. They're in love. <laughs> love it so much. Oh, fuck yes. I want to see oh, that. Oh, my God. I don't even know how to fucking follow that. Your brain's going all over the place. <laughs> That's right. Take it forward from that. <laughs> Moves me over to question number 14, which is my personal questions. So, hypothetical here, guys. Would you rather have Patrick Bateman take your mama out for dinner or babysit your kids? This was easy for me. I said he could take my mother out to dinner, and then I said just let's see him survive a night out with Deb. <laughs> <laughs> he would never, ever, ever, ever make it. Ever. <laughs> ever (laughs) i mean it's yeah i said mom too because i think my mom would be fine with him and i know what he does with cats and my cat is my child so i had to roll the dice but it was hard i read that and i was like oh my god sam i know mean question it is damn it sam Damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's one of those questions. Although, like, taking your mum out for dinner, man. We've seen what he takes. What happens when he takes woman out for dinner? We've we've seen what happens when he takes out like a dumb woman that he's that's that probably knows they're gonna have sex with him. Our moms aren't gonna go there. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go home with Christian. Our moms are gonna be like, hey, let's have some dinner. Hey, don't speak for all You're... of us in here, Emily. <laughs> I'm speaking for all of our mo- all of our moms are just gonna be like, oh, did you need some advice on your business cards? Let's sh- split up. All of our moms appetizer. would be there for the free sorbet pre dinner. Yes, <laughs> my mom would actually be amped about a sorbet pre dinner. <laughs> So actually, it might be dangerous for her. Do you have any other flavors? Is this the only one? (laughs) That might be. Excellent. Okay. Uh, That moves us over to question number 15. Uh, So it seems like everybody in this film that he comes in contact with, that he works with, is a vice president. And we also seem to see them doing no work whatsoever. So I want to know from you guys, which vice president most deserve to get axed? And that could be either figuratively or literally. I, at first, read your question. I was like, why are we... Getting into American politics, I guess Cheney. I don't know. <laughs> and I truly, for like five minutes, was like, what a weird choice. Listen, I I totally did go there, literally. So <laughs> but, you go ahead. 
but then I was like, okay. I was like, so why is he getting it? Where? Why? Everybody, like, oh. if, you, if you look at the business cards, they're all vice right. president. And then, then it clicked, and I was like, hey. oh, Josh Lucas, because I don't like that guy. I don't like his face for no particular. Him and Patrick Wilson, I don't like him. So get out of here. We don't need you. Uh, but for no particular reason, he's fine. I mean, he was a little rude. Yeah. He can go. He can be killed. <laughs> he was a little rude. He's out. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. Okay, cool. See, I'm sticking with my extremely literal answer because I didn't telegraph that as vice president in the film at all. So <laughs> I was like, I just say I want to talk about American politics. But then I just said, fuck Andrew Johnson, the guy that was the president after Lincoln was assassinated. Fuck that guy. Opposed the 14th Amendment. Fucked up Reconstruction. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. <laughs> Also valid. I would co-sign that as well. See, yeah, <laughs> monumental failure on my behalf. <laughs> it's <fucking> awesome. <laughs> I was just like, and then like it literally. I think it was like I was reading through my questions before we started recording. Like after, and then it kind of I was reading back through them. I'm like, oh, did he mean vice president in the film? Yeah, everyone has that right. And then I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, well played well played Hurley well played <laughs> the correct answer was Patrick Bateman who we see new, do no work whatsoever in the entirety of the film <gasps> you're right he's the worst one he just sits in his office just complaining and moaning and doing fuck all yeah and drawing yeah. in his little little notepad just like yeah he he didn't have any plans in that he didn't have anything in his planner besides mean drawings exactly <laughs> that's it going out for dinner with people and mean drawings that's exactly all he hey, had hey he sat on his couch a couple of times and <laughs> yeah. drank alcohol and wore sunglasses inside it's true she does look good in sunglasses told Jean she could look better that was about it <laughs> she could he should have said something about her hair <laughs> uh-huh and then finally towards the end of the film we have a scene where Patrick Bateman picks up a stray cat and then he looks down the ATM and the ATM says, feed me a stray cat. And so he pushes the cat to the ATM and holds a gun to its head when he's rudely interrupted by a little old lady <laughs> who stops the murder, disappointingly. Uh, so I want to know from you guys, and I've thrown this in there just to piss off Emily, given how much she loves cats. But if an ATM asked you guys to feed it a stray cat, what would you do? You asked two questions about what I would do with my baby. <laughs> I must I would break cry. <laughs> I would cry. I would say I would off myself, but I can't because then what if someone else tries to shove her in the ATM? I would die saving her from the ATM is what I would do. Emily, plug your ears. I said it depends entirely on whether or not the ATM already gave me my withdrawal. <laughs> like if it's not going to give me money until I feed it tasty cat. Are, like, Are we talking like a 20 or you're getting out 100 plus? How much I mean, I'm worth? putting myself in his shoes at that point and he's withdrawing like thousands of dollars okay. probably. <laughs> no, I just needed 10 bucks like just, to, just for the cover charge at the bar. Is <laughs> <laughs> a cat worth $10? Hmm. <laughs> It is strange. Depends what band is playing at the bar that night. Yeah. <laughs> See, Emily, you've totally missed I can't the... get in on my looks alone, Sam, okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, amen, brother. But, Emily, you've totally missed the point here, man. This ATM's being smart to you. It's telling you to feed a stray cat. You've got a gun in your hand. You fuck up that ATM, Emily. You shoot that ATM in the face. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was... Can I see a recreation of this scene right now? I somehow imagined (laughs) that I would die fighting for my cat from the ATM as though I was going to be wrapped around my cat and the ATM was going to be coming after trying to eat her. And I'm just like, no, take me first. (laughs) Getting sucked into that little slot. I think you're rewriting I want to see... Like a recreation of the scene in Terminator 2 where he just pulls up the minigun and like takes it out and mows down all the cop cars. I want that scene, but I want Emily like approaching the ATM and just unloading the entire minigun into it for daring to threaten her child. And it definitely I want to see that. My hallucination and no one else knows why this is happening. That I am shooting it, but it didn't do anything. Eat this ATM. <laughs> Everything you have a little stat flick up her up in her eyes. Zero point zero cat's harmed. (laughs) Walks away, (laughs) drops the gun. Thud. That would, if I could do more murders than the one murder I wanted to do, that would be what I would do. That'd be amazing. Cool, Emily. uh, What about you? What are your questions? All right, my first question: What would your business card look like? And I know this is an audio medium. Yeah. Just do your best, please. Okay, so I want you guys to imagine an entirely black card, and then that's it. 
because I don't want any of these motherfuckers knowing anything about me. I don't want them knowing my name. I don't want them knowing my phone number. I don't want to know the address where I work. I don't want any of that shit. I want it to be blacker than black, just like the Spinal Tap album. I just want it to be as black as black can get. I bet they know that you're a vice president, though. Oh, yes, yes. I've got to have vice president in Boston there in gold. (laughs) See, so I I chose two. So I said, one, there's one of the restaurants they go to in this movie has metal sheets for menus with punched out lettering. I said either that or... I want a business card, like a normal standard business card, and apologies to your New Zealand audience for the English measurements, but three and a half inches by two inches. I would make it just slightly larger, like 3.6 by like 2.1, just to slide it across the table and be like, I got it a little bit bigger. (laughs) The weight of it, like feel the weight of the paper stock in your hand, that extra like tenth of an inch on there. Yeah. For those listening, there- an inch is about 17,942,546 millicenters. So there you go. <laughs> I saw like a business card, some, I'm sure, BuzzFeed article, like coolest business cards. And it was metal. And it was like a little lock picking set. And you break out the little pieces for some lock pick thing. I was like, that's a bad idea, but I love it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. My next question. What's the modern excuse equivalent of I've got to return some videotapes? For me, it's I got to go edit my podcast. Ooh, that's good. plain and simple. That's good. Because <laughs> it's the only thing I could say that anybody would fucking believe. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to date bullshit. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of it. And I was trying to think of one that applies to a lot of people. And I reckon it's just I've got to go find a charger for my phone. Oh, people running out of phone battery left, right and center. and. Everyone knows me. I walk around with it glued to my face. So, I mean, yeah, they could believe that. I reckon they could believe it. I like that. I like that. Okay. Question number 19. What's a movie adaptation you think is better than the book? Besides this one, Sam. Uh, I'm going to go from least controversial to most controversial. Least controversial, Fight Club. The book sucks. The book is meh. Uh, Next kind of controversial? No, there's not a lot of fans of this, actually. I'm going to go with Blade Runner. It's based on a short story that isn't really that good. And then final one, yeah. and I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to hate me. And you know what? Come at me, bros. I'm going for Lord of the Rings. I think the books suck. Yes. Yes. Boom. And the Hobbit book is incredible, and that those movies were terrible. Exactly. They completely reversed their fortunes. Thank you, Emily. <sighs> I chose this with exactly you in mind, Emily. Oh, no. And, and how much I absolutely love you, but I picked Rob Reiner's Stand By Me, which is an adaptation of Stephen King's novella, the body because i still remember her episode when she (laughs) she watched it and she hated it so much and i'm just like but that was that was my childhood (laughs) i should read the novella i picked that better (laughs) just for you just just because i wanted to i mean i do love that movie i i I won't say that i don't love that movie because i literally was that age when i watched that movie and i'm Mm -hmm. like a boy so i think that's one of those movies that you got to be a boy at that age to really dial into it or not though but yeah but yeah i was like what movie can i pick here and i'm looking (laughs) through like these lists and stuff and i'm like oh my god i've got to pick stand by me i forgot that that was stephen king and then i meant to read and probably said in my podcast eight years ago that i was going to read it and never did one day (laughs) oh i'm with you nick man stand by me is awesome that was one of the movies that you know really touched me growing up as well sounds really horrible doesn't but. she break your heart sometimes and you listen to her show oh, all the time you see the title of the podcast and you're like emily no <laughs> exactly i don't understand would you guys okay serious question if you were out in the woods and you saw a body and you were like 12 would you poke at it yeah Ugh. not with a stick what are you gonna <laughs> poke <laughs> You shouldn't ask these types of questions, Emily. I love you, Sam. I love you so much. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And following that, that moves us down to our final question. Now, I came up with this as the listener question because when me and Emily Higgins and the wonderful Ginger Princess, Stacey, did Silence of the Lambs, Emily made Mm. some bold claims. Her controversial opinion is that Buffalo Bill (laughs) is really hot. (laughs) Yeah. I stand by that. <laughs> Do you want to fuck me? I want to fuck me. He would look good in just sneakers. <laughs> oh, God. But anyway, I'm going to throw it out there. Anywho, who do you guys reckon is the sexiest psychopath in film history? Sam, we um, could say ours at the same time, can't we? 
Okay. On three, we're going to say what we think it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's one that someone online said, and I got mad at them. Oh, uh, yeah. But I didn't tell them that. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Catherine, Catherine Trammell. Yay. There we go. Yes. God damn you, Paul from the Countdown Podcast. Paul, <laughs> number one, honorable mentions, Ali Larder and Obsessed, and Miley Kunis and American Psycho 2, where she's Christian Bale, but not really. <laughs> what else have you got, Nick? I I went down a weird road when I was thinking about this question, Ooh. and then I picked Bellatrix Lestrange from Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. She's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> Her Helena Bottom Carter in all movies. Oh yes, I mean the hair is alone. The hair alone is just like damn girl. <laughs> Better hair than Chloe Savini in this movie <laughs> by a long shot. That's true. Not kidding, Mo from the Three Stooges. I'm googling that later. No one will watch this movie the same ever again. <laughs> no, Ugh. my I like a couple of sort of like honorable mentions. Uh, Kate Blanchett and Four Ragnarok looked exactly like my dream oh. woman when I was a teenager. Oh, I'm That's there with good. it. Yeah, that dark mm-hmm. hair and blue eyes is just is something else. Uh, on the male front, uh, nothing nothing is sexier to me than murdering a bunch of younglings. So I would have gone with Hayden Christensen <laughs> in Revenge of the Sith. Moving over to our listeners to hear what you guys gave. Sorry, Facebook, we typically only give you guys a couple of hours to answer. And we've got two answers on there. The first of which is from Nick McAllister, who said George Lutz from Armityville Horror because of Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Topher from the We Watch The Thing podcast, an awesome podcast everyone should go check out, said Dr. Schneider in The Last Crusade. Almost as hot as Indy. (laughs) Almost. Almost. Almost, Topher. No. So close. She is pretty hot, but wow. Uh, moves us over to Twitter, and we'll run through as many of these as we can. First up, Emily, a girl that you were slightly obsessed with, Liz, that was on our show recently. Oh, does she agree with, what does she have to say for herself? <laughs> Look at that apprehension. <laughs> that came out aggressive. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean it. <laughs> she said Timothy Oliphant in Die Hard 4. He is very good looking. Next up is Abigail. She's a new Patreon. Thanks, Abigail. You rock. In fact, she's my favorite Patreon. Sorry, Emily. <laughs> uh, and she went with Noah from The Notebook. Thanks for that, Abigail. Gillian uh, Ashton said The Winter Soldier from Captain America Winter Soldier. Uh, Stacey Hurley, don't know who she is. She said Kylo Ren from the most recent Star Wars films. I'm pretty sure I replied to her and said, yeah, I'd do Yeah. <laughs> Would you do a guy dressed up as him? Because that's most of my nights. Uh, <laughs> Tara Maholic, she went with Megan Fox from Jennifer's Body. Yes. Yeah. Tara also <laughs> mentioned Kurt Russell in Tombstone. That's a pretty good answer. Uh, Emily Higgins said, "If someone takes mine, I'll be mad." Okay, Emily. <laughs> Steve from Everything I Learned from Movies podcast went with Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Great answer. Countdown Podcast, well, we've already mentioned you, Paul. We're both angry at you. It's Catherine Tramell. Of course, it's Catherine Tramell. What an asshole. Yeah, what a dude. <laughs> For agreeing. You couldn't go with anyone else, Paul. Couldn't say Wayne out of the movie Reap. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's got to be close seconds. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Anisha said Ezra Miller from We Need to Talk About Kevin. LJ Human went with Gogo out of Kill Bill. That's awesome. Pretty good pick. Uh, Gidget von LaRue said the sexiest psychopath has to be Brad Pitt in California. The movie Solid. Solid. Movie Journey podcast went with uh, Denise Richards out of Wild Things. I can see where you're coming from. <gasps> I'm surprised Why you didn't I pick say it. that? Yeah. Well, oh, she, I feel like Nev Campbell was crazier than her, but she's a good pick. Yeah. The real sexiest psychopath is actually Dean from the Movie Journey podcast. Oh. <laughs> 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 Uh, Spit and Polish podcast said the list wouldn't be complete with Jazz Sinclair trying to get in with Morris Chestnut and when the bow breaks. Uh, Rec League mm. reviews said I mean, and then just put a gif of Patrick Bateman. TFIO podcast went with Mickey Rourke in the movie Spun. That's a bloody deep pick. And then Jomo went with Akami from Audition. Great choice. And uh, yeah, so the final two uh, Thomas from History of Aotearoa New Zealand podcast went with James Cockett from Team Rocket and. <laughs> <laughs> I almost got it out. Almost got that cock it out of my mouth. God damn it. 
And then Jules from New Zealand. Uh, okay, Jules from that podcast. Jules from New Zealand also went with the Joker. She said Harley Quinn would probably be one of her big picks, but she also went with the Joker. And the reason why I ended on Thomas and Jules is because those two are coming on next week for my for an episode on Pirates of the Caribbean. That's right. I'm actually <gasps> I found some other New Zealander oh podcasts. So we are going back to do the original Pirates of the Caribbean. That's going to be good. I'm so, so on board for this. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for that one. Uh, but I actually left one out. I left out what I think is the winner. Uh, Dan from Netflix and Swirl went with Randy Quaid out Independence Day. God bless you, Dan Brannick. Here's <laughs> <laughs> a sexy man, but what do you guys reckon? Who do you guys reckon was a standout of those answers? I have to go with Dan, just because Dan Dan watches Independence Day for 24 hours straight every July 4th, and I adored, I mean, I've, I've known Dan, I met Dan in college, and I, I adore Dan, so I, I've got to side with my brother, Dan. Well, I love and you, Dan. if he's watching it 24 hours, he's probably genuinely attracted to Randy Quaid at this point, because what else, if you're not, why are you watching? I can fly. I'm pilot. <laughs> Anywho, that takes us down to the end. I'd like to thank these guys for joining us. Uh, well, Nick, you've got something even more special than what Emily has to talk about. <laughs> Sounds rough, but it is what it is. Emily, why don't you tell us all about your podcast, how amazing you are and everything, and then we'll, we'll get into Nick. All right. My podcast, Tasteless. You can get it wherever you get podcasts, tastelesspod.com. I compare two movies. I compare a movie that people love versus a movie that I love that maybe people haven't seen. Uh, and that's that's about it. I mean, it's sometimes it's more positive, sometimes it's very angry. <laughs> it's a phenomenal podcast. I love it. I know Nick does as well. It really is. It's amazing. Please listen to Tasteless. Even though you will, like Sam said when we started recording, sometimes when her episodes release, you'll pull up your podcatcher and you'll see the episode title and be like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Stay with it. It's a it's an amazing show, and you'll absolutely adore Emily. We promise. Completely agree. Oh, thank Full you. Full on existential crisis every time I see some of the films in there. I'm like, <laughs> right. How could she do this to I me? Mean, look, if you we were friends. <laughs> Like, I, I have did, to hit um, play because I love Emily, but my God, what's she going to say about this movie? <laughs> Maybe after you listen to this, you go listen to me talk about why American Psycho 2 is better than, I think I did versus Taxi Driver. <laughs> and I stand by it. And that's the end of Emily Higgins for the rest of this episode. <laughs> Let's move over, to, <laughs> move over to Nick. Why don't you talk about your show and then lead into something very, very important that's coming up that I'm being a part of. Humble break. Uh, well, uh, we're Epic Film Guys. Just find us everywhere you can find uh, things. If if you're interested at all in canon films, especially Dean and Hendo from the Movie Journey podcast, who have no idea what a canon film is, uh, every single episode that we're quarantined because of the coronavirus and movie theaters are closed, we are covering canon films. I had to watch Break Into Electric Boogaloo, and I laughed 35 minutes straight through the review in the episode. I couldn't breathe by the time we were done recording. If you've never seen that movie, it's... It's something else. Yeah. But uh, coming up this May, uh, at the end of May, May 27th through the 31st, the fourth annual live stream for The Cure is coming up. Sam is coming back. We raise money every single year for the Cancer Research Institute. It's an absolutely amazing time. We get podcasters from around the world, even down in New Zealand, to come on board and help raise money for a really, really good cause. It's going to be great. Dan from Netflix and Swill will be on premises again this year. He is instrumental to it. I absolutely love him. And it's going to be a really, 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 really fun, fun, amazing time. And I will die by the time it's over. But hey, come out anyway and support a really, really great cause. And everything else is canceled nowadays anyways. So what else do you have to do? <laughs> you got no excuses. Exactly. So yeah, please come out and support the event. You can learn more about the event at livestreamforthecure.com. Check out all the information for it. And the the end. It's it's a wonderful event. And Sam will be yes. there. Sam will be there. You guys love Sam, right? You're listening to this. Somebody I'm must. I'm pretty sure I'm the listener's least favorite person. Every time I put out an episode, <laughs> I always get the same thing of like, oh, it's not a Stacey episode. Oh, Machu's not on this one. Eh, yeah, fuck exactly. this. Emily even says that. Emily's the first one to go, oh, Stacey episodes are my favorites. It's like, ah, oh, fuck you, Emily. <laughs> because it's something that I'm not given all the time. That's true. There's only so much Stacey you can handle, believe me. You need to disappear from a couple episodes. Be scarce. Play hard to get. It's true. <laughs> you got to go away to come back. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, live stream for The Cure. I don't know how you do it, Nick. I don't know how you bloody talk for 40 hours over a weekend, but it's pretty damn impressive. Uh, as a sneak preview for what we are doing, we might have Stacey. Uh, depending on the quarantine, we might have one or two of our other regulars, but 
Last year we went on there, me, Nick, and Stacey basically powered around and asked uh, 10 questions about films that can, you know, be applied to any film. So, you know, what film would beat you up and take your lunch money? What film best describes your sex life? Stuff like that. So those are the sort of questions that I'll be on there asking, but this time around we want to make it more interactive. We want to make it way more interactive. So I'm probably going to rustle up about 20 questions. We're going to see how many we can get through. Anyone that's listening can give their answer. And basically, we're just going to pick who gave the best answer. And then um, at the end of it, if someone is like a clear winner and has given us heaps of really good answers, I'm going to donate some money in your name. And I'm not going to tell people how much money that is, but it's, it's a fairly substantial amount of money that I'm putting together. So yeah, very much looking forward to that. And yeah, if you like us and want to get in contact with us, you can contact us on email at mritqs at gmail.com. You can find us at Twitter at uh, Movie Reviews In, and we're just on Facebook at Movie Reviews and 20Qs. If you want to become a patron of the show, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash MRITQS. We've had a couple of people join up recently, uh, Abigail and Amy, very happy to have you guys on board. And on there, we're going to start posting at least one episode a month of just Movie Reviews and 10Qs, where me and Stacey take some time out from the baby while she has a nap and put up an episode. But yeah, anyway, that's thanks from me. Thank you. I love you, Emily. <laughs> Does anyone know what the guy's name is in Pokemon and Team Rocket? Ash. Uh, oh, Broughton. Cocket from Rocket. Oh, oh yeah, look, it's Cocket. And what's her name? <laughs> I want that to be his name now. Please don't look it up and ruin that for me. Jesse and James. Jesse and James. There we go. Does that sound like- Is it James Cockett? <laughs> James Cockett. Please let it be James Cockett <laughs> from Team Rocket. <laughs>